welcome to another podcast from Fire Church Ministries. We hope you enjoy this message from Ben Fitzgerald. Praise the Lord. Are you good? Do you love Jesus? That's wonderful. God is such a good, good God. Sneaky Pastor Alex and Pastor Daniel taking up an offering for me. Sneaky, sneaky, cheeky men. Anyway, it's Christmas time. Hang on, let me ask these guys down here. It's Christmas time. (laughs) That's the right response right there. We can always get kids excited. You just tell them, look at that tree, or, you know, Jesus is coming on Christmas Day to give you a gift. Um, But it's Christmas time. It's a wonderful time to celebrate family. And I love what Pastor Alex mentioned before. And also, um, when Jada was leading worship, you know, she saw this prison thing. I'll touch on that in just a moment. But guys, please invite someone. uh, If they don't know the Lord, invite them to dinner. Frank says, Pastor Frank Clancy says, invite a sinner to dinner. (laughs) So um, we should do that. You know, we're all sinners. We all love food. So, you know, invite someone to the Lord. And also with your family, don't be ashamed to bring Jesus into your family. When you do those things, you know, with the big family, the turkey and everything, and everyone's like, okay, let's eat. Just go, I want to say grace. Don't be ashamed of grace. Bring Jesus to, to Christmas dinner. So anyway... We'll get into that in a minute. We have the amazing honor this morning of doing what the Bible says, um, of honoring people. There is a, a biblical precedent that was set out by Paul the Apostle and actually by all of the Apostles because they were taught by Jesus to honor. Jesus honored every person. He celebrated people from, and I mean this sincerely, he celebrated people from the person who was caught in adultery when he forgave her. And he said to these men, he turned around, he honored his power to forgive. And he said, which one of you is without sin? He gave her a chance at life. And he gave her honor from the lowest, worst sinner to the person that was actually being appointed to lead for his sake. And, uh, and God actually appointed apostles. It's a Roman word, which means to, to create the governance of heaven on the earth and to make heaven look like earth. It's a fantastic word when you look into apostolos. It's a, it's a very interesting word. It basically means to culturalize the earth with heaven. And that's really cool, because it means everywhere we go, it becomes a, a fragrant culture of the love of God, the truth of God, and Jesus being at the center of all of it. Well, Jesus sets up people to apostolize in a good way. He sets up people to lead his house and to lead his people. And when he does that, he entrusts great honor to them and great favor to them and actually asks them to take a role that is even more, uh, it's more of a servant role than people understand. He asks them to go lower and lift and undergird people up just like Jesus did. He went to the depths of the earth and he went to the lowest place of the earth and he lifted people up. And that's what a servant does. And in the house of God, in Australian culture, I'm an Aussie, I do live in Europe, but I'm an Aussie, but I see it actually consistently around the world in Western culture, I'd probably say, is we have a difficult time honoring people and understanding this thing of honor because we think of one thing that we don't maybe agree with or et cetera, and then we pull the person down. We have, and in our culture, still a tall poppy syndrome culture, and we don't need it anymore. We need a culture of honor. The reason why we need to understand that is because when God puts something on somebody, the only way you can truly partake of it is when you honor it. If you disqualify a person based on what they're not doing, then you can't, you can't receive from what God has placed on their life. Now, the people that I'm about to honor and that we as an elders board are about to honor don't have many of those faults at all. So I can't think of anything in my heart that they have in their life that is dishonorable. 
And it's a greater thing when you meet a leader, not who's just anointed by God, but actually walks in honor and walks in humility and walks in the love of God and walks in the kindness of God. And Daniel and Chelsea Hagen are two of those people. I travel the world, I tell you right now. Thank you so much. They, they are two of those people. I travel the whole world. Now, I'm not saying, I'm, I'm kind of putting my friendship aside for a moment here because my friendship will say all the best things in the world about Dan and Chels. But I'm talking from a godly perspective. These guys, I travel the world and I meet pastors all around the world. You guys have a phenomenal gift here. You have a gift of two people. And Ephesians 4 says, when Christ ascended, he gave gifts to men and he gives the gift of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, the teacher. You have two people here who labor faithfully in the word, who don't compromise the truth, who love people, and who love God above all. And, and I, I tell you, when I travel, I go back behind stages in big, like uh, Pastor um, Alex just mentioned about the big conferences I speak at. I would speak at a home group, by the way. I don't, he knows that. I, I don't care for whether big or small, but the thing is, I meet people, <laughs> and I see husbands who are pastors who yell at their wives. I see, and I'm just being honest with you, I see people who occasionally drink too much, and, and they should be probably in a couple of months counseling in order to keep their pastoral grace healthy. You guys have a gift here. You have healthy, honorable, spirit-filled, and Jesus-centered leaders. So today, we wanna honor Dan and Chelsea for the grace that's on them, not just what they do, but for who they are. And I'll just let Pastor Alex say a few words into that. Yeah, many uh, people perhaps don't get the chance to see behind the scenes in how much Dan and Chelsea sacrifice and all that they do to ensure that God's kingdom is here on earth as it is in heaven. And, and often, um, you know, we, we'd be chatting, we'd be talking all sorts of times throughout the day and night, but this is the passion that this man and this, this woman has for this house. They just they want to see the best of God exemplified in our family, in our church. So we really get a chance to honor Dan and Chelsea, especially for those who don't get to see all the behind-the-scenes stuff, all the sacrifices and hard work, all the stuff that they, they uh, push through, have to put up with. Also blessed, but also just that, that thing that you appreciate as a pastor. You know, when I first came on uh, into this role, I, I thought, ah, the corporate gig is way harder, the cutthroat over there. <laughs> a few months in, uh, yeah, I'll, like, I'll, I'll, I'll change my perspective on, on that. And these guys have been going hard for 12 years straight. The ups and downs. So, so I think it's appropriate that we honor them this morning, as Pastor Ben has, has mentioned. And so I'll, I'll pass it on to uh, Pastor Ben for the uh, little surprise that we have for, for you both. Yeah. Why don't we bring the elders up who are here? And uh, where's Mick? Is Mick here? There he is. He's up the back. He's serving. Praise God for an elder like that. Amen. You have a good husband there, Jada. Um, um, Pastor to Frank and Denny, we're sorry they couldn't be here this morning. Is there anybody else? Is that it? I think. Jess, do you want to come up? Yeah. Um, Dan and Chelsea, would you guys like to come up? Um, guys, I want you to stand to your feet. I want us to honor Dan and Chelsea. Come on, we can do better than that. Let's honor them.
We, um, we're going to quickly pray for them. They're in an amazing time right now, and uh, they actually came out of their amazing time with Jesus to come to church. Jesus is here too, but um, <laughs> they came here uh, out of the time of rest, which is so deserved, the time that they're in. I want to be clear, they're not in a time of rest because they're burnt out, worn out, not like that. They're in a time because they deserve it, and um, they've been running for a long, long time. We have a gift for you. Um, first, we're going to give you this card, and uh, inside this card is just a bunch of our heart, basically. And uh, we have a gift, Dan, we're going to buy you um, your length golf clubs, golf clubs that fit you. D Dan, for a long time, has wanted golf clubs that um, he, he loves to, yeah, bring the kids up. He loves to play golf, and, um, and his clubs, you can see Dan has, he's a little taller than most people. So Dan's clubs, he's always bending down. And so we've uh, got a lot of money together, and uh, we're going to send you guys some money. And for you, Chels, actually, we, th we thought maybe you guys could go away as well. Um, it's like a beautiful place, and, and we're going to send some money. We asked Ricky to put it into your bank account tomorrow on behalf of the whole church. So, so yeah. yeah. Thank you, guys. Um, do you want to say Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate that. It's amazing. Even, even when we're away and this is still going on, people are still being saved and the community here, like we, we just feel so honoured and so blessed to be part of it and to see what God's doing. Like we, th this is our greatest joy to see people on fire for Jesus. So thank you so much. We really, really appreciate it. I got you to speak first because it's a little bit overwhelming. So I really appreciate this, guys. And Fire family, I just, walking in here this morning, I just missed you guys so much. We're so great, uh, glad that we're here. Um, and we've been spending some great time in prayer with God as a family, and we're really excited about 2020. We've been going deep into the Word and just studying and, and uh, working on some great uh, training and equipping resources also for uh, 2020 and beyond. But man, we've got some exciting announcements. We've already been hearing from God very, very clearly about 2020 and potentially a blueprint for the next decade as well. So we can't wait to come back strong in 2020 and let you guys know all about the vision for, for 2020 as well. So, But uh, <clears throat> yeah, I'm, I'm really, really grateful for just looking around and just seeing what God's done over uh, is it six or seven years now here at FIRE. So you guys are amazing. It really is FIRE family. It's what we've, we've come to call it, FIRE family. So praise God. Thank you. Thank you so much. Guys, stretch forward your hands. Let's pray. We're going to pray for these guys um, that just the next month, basically it's about or three weeks, is just going to be such a blessing and just so much rest, so much joy. And God, we thank you. God, we bless them. We honor them. We pray, Father, that they would sense the grace of what your word says in Ephesians, the double honor that would come over them today. God, we thank you for all that you've done in their lives and all that you're going to do. Like Dan said, the next decade... It's a seed inside him and inside Chelsea's heart of the next decade, what is happening right now, God, and we bless them and we love them, Lord. We want to say as a church that we actually love them. It's not just a, an issue of honor, but we love you. We love you. You're an amazing, you're both amazing pastors and we love you and your church stands behind you and God, we pray that um, this next three weeks would just be such a phenomenal time of great joy, great rest, and we pray health, life, and blessing in the authority of the name of Jesus. I'll get one of our elders to pray too. John, boy, you want to pray? Finish up. Jesus. 
thank you, God, for this wonderful family in the name of Jesus. And like Paul says, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. I thank you, God, that they've, this family, God, has taken this, this verse to heart, God, and are totally just serving you and serving your body, Father, in the name of Jesus. We thank you, God, whatever they've been sowing, God, for the last generation, last uh, 10, 12, 15, 20 years, God, they will reap next year, Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you, God. It's time for reaping for the body of Christ in the name of Jesus, not just fire church, Father, for the kingdom of heaven, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you be glorified, God, and the name of Jesus just be lifted up, be lifted up, God, that will draw all men, women, children unto yourself, Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you, God. Just bless them, God, in the next few weeks, in the next month, Father, in Jesus' name, for things to come. We thank you, God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Dan just said he's going to smash me at golf now. So that's good. It's inspired him already, guys. Hey, and I, we want to say thanks to you, church, as well, because you're part of that gift. Even if you didn't know it, you are. So thanks so much. And guys, love on these guys today. Get them coffee. If you get game, give them a back massage or something. All right, can someone set the clock for me how much time I have to minister? Just so I, I know. Thanks, guys. Well, good morning. You good? You alive? Praise the Lord. If you're in here for the first time and you're not a Christian, I have 22.2 minutes. If that's not prophetic, that's, I don't know what is, 222. Um, <clears throat> guys, this morning we're going to talk about captivity. That's why I said it was interesting when, Pastor, uh, sorry, when Jada was leading worship and she spoke about seeing a prison and she said she saw, like, I see a prison, but where the light? And she said, I can't see in the darkness of the prison. Well, that's exactly what God spoke to me to speak about. I was sitting on the couch last night um, and I actually fell asleep while I was reading my Bible. Bad, not the best thing to do, but I must have actually been tired. I hadn't been sleeping probably enough. I have a lot on my mind. Usually I think a lot about things and, and it keeps me awake and that's probably not the best, but um, I was tired. So I was reading my Bible and I fell asleep while reading the Bible. And uh, I actually heard the phrase in my heart just before I went to sleep, captivity captive. And I was like, I remember that scripture. There's references for it in Hebrews, I believe. And it's an Old Testament scripture. It's about when the Messiah comes and what he's going to do. And how, like I mentioned before, he fills all things. And if you're here for the first time, you're not a Christian. And you're wondering whether Jesus and all this stuff that we do, putting our hands in the air, we're not reaching for the air conditioner. We're, you know, we, we love God. We're passionate for this person because he set us free from captivity. We were captive to stuff. We were slaves to things. And you could probably see in your own life, and I don't mean this in a judgmental, critical way toward you, but if you're not a believer here, but you can probably recognize in your own world, you can see things that pull you down, where you're ensnared, where you're slave to stuff. And Jesus didn't come to make a new religion. Jesus came to set captives free. That was the purpose of the gospel. It's the purpose of him being, filling all things. It wasn't so that he could just say to other people, well, now I'm a new religion, you have to worship me. God is not egotistical. God doesn't need your worship. He's very secure on his throne right now. If you don't tell God, I love you, he'll be okay. 
God will be okay. The reason we worship the Lord isn't so much for Him. It's, it, it, it's part of it is for the extension of His glory, yes, because He did say that His glory will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea. So when we say, God, you're worthy, and we worship, the atmosphere can change for sure. We know that to be true, and the Lord fills and inhabits the praise of his people. That's a phenomenal and very stunning promise. If you would believe that every time you turn the worship on in your room or your car, that the Lord would inhabit your praises, I tell you, your life would change quickly. If you believe that the Spirit of the Lord will inhabit the, the very place that you praise God, you think about what's going to happen to your bedroom. I remembered yesterday a house that I went to once where all they did was worship God. I went to the house, and when I went through the doors of the house into the lounge room area, I was like, there is somebody else in this house. Now, I knew who it was. The witness in my spirit is it was God, but God was around that house. You could feel it, man. Like, I remember one guy was sitting on the couch by himself, and you could feel like he's here by himself. He probably spends a lot of time here by himself, but he's not by himself because God is here. Anyway, that's a rabbit, not rabbit trail. Back on the point. The point is, that Jesus came to set us free, not make a new religion. So the Lord, in this time of Christmas, when people come around Christ and, and the Christ Mass, which means the celebration of Christ, by the way, they're trying to take Christmas now. There was a, I don't know if you saw that on TV, but there was a lobbyist group. They're trying to make sure that, and tons of businesses, I think about 10 major corporations and many other smaller ones are saying, we need to take Christ out of Christmas and they're putting money forward to do this. What a threat it must be to have to say the name Christ. If he's not real, if he's not someone you don't believe in, if he's not someone who actually does fill the universe, then why are you putting your finances behind it to stop it? Come on, he is real. And it, and it bothers people because, and the reason it bothers people is not because of religion. It bothers people because they want to be their own Christ. They want to be the Savior, but we can't all be the Savior. I look into my past, I, can't, I could barely save myself from a bad cold. You know, I, you can't save yourself. Sin destroys us. Jesus saves. But he didn't come to make a new religion. So Christmas, the Christ Mass celebration, if you're here and you're not saved, the reason why we celebrate God at Christmas, the reason why there's a tree, the reason why we think about new life and we give gifts to people is because God gave the gift of Jesus to us. And Isaiah 9 said, For unto us a child is born. A son is given, and we sing it, Christ the Savior is born. You hear it in the shopping mall. Because he was given to the earth when the earth was in chaos, darkness, in blackness, and like Jada said, in prison. He was given to set captives free. Why don't you turn your Bible open to the book of Ephesians chapter 4. Isn't God good, hey? Isn't Jesus wonderful? He chose you, he made you, he loves you, he remade you, his blood was spilt for you, he knows you, he wants to speak to you. When I was in Perth, Pastor Alex mentioned it, when I was in Perth, big church, I think 10,000 people on their Sunday congregational services, and, uh, and I was there and I was like, man, I was like, I can't believe, and I told them, I said, I can't believe that God himself speaks to me. I was like, can you just think about that for a second? Uh, Dan and I met with the president of Austria, when we were about four months ago or something, and, and a bunch of the guys were there, our band was there, and we, we all saw him, and he's a lovely looking guy, and he dresses super good, they pay for him to dress the way he dresses, he's got his people telling him what to say and everything. When we met with the president, we're like, wow, what an honor. It was really cool, we met with him, Jesus came out of us, we didn't go, oh, hello, Mr. President, um, please welcome to our religious thing, and blah, 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 we talked like we talk now. We're like, we love Jesus, we wanna see people saved, we wanna bring the gospel to the earth. We talked openly about Jesus, he was very curious, we had a 45-minute meeting with him, which was amazing. And uh, people were like, wow, you know, you guys met the president, it was all over the news, it was so cool. And then I realized something, 
the president's a person. God speaks to me and to you every day. God talks to you. Do you realize that God talks to you? I might say that one more time and just let it sit for a second. Jesus, who created the universe, talks to you. He loves you. Wow. <laughs> oh, but my life's not going so well. Well, I know a guy, that, a good guy that can, who can counsel you. He created you, created the whole universe. Ephesians 4. Sorry, I'm just excited about that fact. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, it's important that you know this. Ephesians 4, verse 1, Paul's talking from prison as a prisoner of the Lord. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling by which you are called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love. So even in prison, he had the understanding that this whole thing, even though there's bars around me, there's nothing around these bars in my heart. I'm captive to walk in love. I'm captive to be a person like Jesus. Verse three, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. So we're one, basically. One hope, one body, one calling, one unity. Uh, I tell people all the time, it doesn't matter what denomination you come from, because in heaven you're in the same one anyway. You need to learn to get along with people here and forget our secondary, small, third, little differences and unify. Love people for the sake of their created value. Honor people because God is honorably creating them and changing them and moving in their, in their heart. Don't dishonor based on one or two little things. That's weak faith. Strong faith can honor what God is doing without stumbling over what he's not doing. Does that make sense? It can honor who Jesus is in someone's life without stumbling over who he's not in their life yet. The Bible says to make disciples. It doesn't say they come ready-made. Anyway, that's a side topic. I've got a lot of side topics in my head this morning. Okay, <laughs> all right. One Lord, verse 5, one faith, one baptism, one God, and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Say, He's in me. That's the truth. Verse 7. But to each one of us, say each one. That means every person in this room. Every person, each one. Not pastors, not leaders, not professional Christians. Each one. Say each one. Grace was given. Oh, I didn't even tell you to say that and you said it. That's wonderful. <laughs> I should just start saying, say, say, say Ferrari. Say, say, I don't know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, to each one. Grace was given. Amen. I want you to put your hand in your heart and say, grace was given to me. That's the truth. You have grace in you. Okay. According to the measure of Christ's gift, therefore he says, and this is the verse I wanted to get to, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. In history, when a king was coronated, in his coronation service, when they would mark him as king, he'd sit on his throne, he would give gifts to people. The remarkable thing about Christmas is that at Christmas, we come together as families, as friends, and we celebrate each other, and we celebrate, and we give gifts to people. But at Christmas, God gave the gift of Jesus to us. 
We would think that Christmas is a place where we should give money back to God or something or feed the poor, and, and I think we, didn't, we need to do that, actually. I love Samaritan's Purse. They give Christmas gifts to children all around the world at Christmas who have no families. It's amazing what they do. Um, but at Christmas time, the amazing thing is that in, in the receiving of Jesus on the earth, where he said, peace unto all men and goodwill, that God would give his only son to die for our sin, we get gifts. We should be the ones responding, but we get gifts. And when a king was crowned in old Roman times and even Old Testament times, when they were crowned, the coronation service was finished by the king giving gifts to the people. You can see this where David came into his authority uh, after Saul and he came and he, came, he, he basically brought the tabernacle home and uh, back to Israel and he was crowned king. When David was made king, it says everyone got a raisin cake. Wouldn't you like David? You're like, oh, he gives raisin cakes, you know? Uh, every family, three million Jews, every family got a raisin cake. And so he gave gifts to all the people to celebrate not only his kingship, but it, it means it's a new time. It's a new season. The, the Israelite people were constantly under a good king, bad king, good king, bad king. The, the pendulum swayed constantly, and the Lord had to correct them and tell them, like, you're a bad one, you're a good one. He honored and rewarded them. And like it says in the very beginning, walk a worthy life. So Paul's talking about us here being worthy, and, and in, the, in the sense of God, when he gives the gifts of his coronation to us, be worthy to receive it. But Jesus, when he ascended on high, he did the same thing. When he was crowned the king of the universe, and it says he filled all things, he had to go to the depths of the earth, which, which represents hell. Some people say it doesn't. They say, no, the depths of the earth is the earth itself, or he went to the lowest part of Israel and walked near the sea. It's not true. He went to hell. Jesus went to hell and he took back people who were in hell. He preached to the prisoners and he preached to the spirits in hell, which means he declared publicly in hell. The, the amazing thing about that is when Jesus was on the earth, he's like, I am the son of God. Look at my father. And he said, I've come to reveal my father. Here is the kingdom of God. It's at hand. It's with you. It's within arm's reach. When he finished his earthly ministry, he had one more to go. Before he was crowned king, he took on our punishment. He took on our sin. He took on everything that marred the image of us, and then he went to hell, and it says he declared to the spirits in hell. That doesn't just mean people. It means when he got to hell, he said, sit down, and he preached. Sit down, demons, for a second. I want to declare that your kingdom is defeated. He declared the defeat of the darkness of the world and the darkness of every demon, because, and that's what it says. You see later in the New Testament, Paul referencing that, saying that he destroyed the works of the enemy, because he did. He has all authority. The scepter is in his hand. It's not a jostling match between him and darkness. It's in Jesus' hand, which makes me feel very secure when I know that not only did he take authority, but he took me. He took you. You're in his hand. Nothing is under him. When Jesus was on the cross and he said, it is finished, the Greek word for that is teleo. Sorry, the Hebrew word, excuse me, is teleo. The Hebrew word means the enemy, or it's, it's a word they used at the end of a battle. They'd come back and go, teleo, 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 which means we defeated the army. It's over. The authority is with us. The territory is with us. When Jesus said, it is finished, he said, the war has finished. I have authority now. Sin has been defeated now. And it's very, very powerful to think of it in that context because he didn't just mean it's finished, I can now forgive them. He meant it's finished, the power is now with us. The sin and dominion of death is being conquered now through my body and my flesh. But the amazing thing is when he rose, and that's what I want to touch on today, when he ascended, Jesus came to the lowest part, but he ascended to the highest part of the throne of God. 
There's nowhere higher than the throne of God. But Ben, isn't there sky in heaven? Isn't there like a universe in heaven? What if we look up and there's stars around the throne of God? Because it does say there's a rainbow around there. True, but there's no higher authority than the throne of God. And he took that throne and he rules the universe with a scepter of iron. And the Lord said this, it says, he led captivity captive. The interesting thing about that word, it's such a strange thing to say, he led captivity captive. Let me explain it in the context of you and I. He told the enemy, preach to the spirits, your time is done. The kingdom belongs to God. Humanity can be forgiven. Your power over people is finished. It's one of the greatest secrets we don't understand. If we understood it, we'd go like this. When people come to us in our family who are sick, we put our hands on them and say, no, the authority is with Jesus. This is not the authority anymore. We'd, we'd think differently. We need to, I believe. But when he took captivity captive, he was talking about you and me. We were in captivity, like Jada saw. We were in a prison. You were in a prison of sin. I was in a prison of sin. I was in a prison of selfishness. I was in a prison of manipulation. I was in a prison of I'm going to get my way. That's a prison. When it's all about you and you're looking internally all the time and your whole life is about fixing your world, you're in prison. You don't have liberty. You don't have freedom. You're consumed with your own stuff. And when you're in that place, you're, you're captive. The enemy has you. He can play with you. He can, he can get one person to say one word to you and reject you and your world falls apart. We see that a lot happening in the world. And I talked about this many times about Facebook where people comment like, you're fat, you're ugly, and it will, it'll start to give people thoughts about, I should kill myself, just based on a little comment written on a Facebook. Because the only reason that works to actually hurt people's mind is because they're still captive to a law, a system of sin that keeps them vulnerable. So even though they may feel like I'm sort of half free, internally, they're in a prison and the enemy can play with their life. But the, the Word of God says when Jesus died on the cross and then He ascended, which means He took over the power of death and conquered hell and conquered the earth, it says that He led captivity captive. The most beautiful thing about this is where you were once captive, you're actually captive again. I'll explain what I mean. I was a captive to pornography. When Jesus died for my sin, He came, He opened the prison, and He didn't go, you're free. He went like this. He went, you're mine. He didn't go, you're free. Run around. Go figure your life out. Try and, you know, find your best plan and do it. He didn't say that. He went, he goes, hey, prisoner. He goes, now you're my prisoner. And he led captivity captive. The Bible says in Romans chapter 6, 14, it says that we are slaves to? No, someone said Christ. It actually doesn't say it, but that's good. That is good. We are slaves to right righteousness. Come on, guys. You got to know that one. We're a slave unto righteousness. You were once a slave to sin, and God decided that Christmas will be about the Son of God who divides dark from light, death from life, sin and captivity from freedom. He divides them and says, there's freedom, there's life, there's light, there's forgiveness, and there's captivity. He divided those kingdoms, made it clear as day, and defeated darkness. He took your prison for you. Some people, though, still try and get out of their own prison. They still try and build a house inside their prison. They try and decorate it and make it look nice because they feel like if I have comfort here, I'm, I'm not in prison. It's not true. There's no, there's no point being comforted on the way to hell. There's no point having a TV in prison if you still have a prison guard and a prison system and an operating system that says you're mine. Jesus, when he took us captive, he took us captive for himself. 
He knew that the best life you could ever have would be in his hands. He took captivity captive to another way, to the way of freedom, the way that mankind was actually designed to be, to walk in the light. And yes, of course you're free. He doesn't say to, to you, he's like, now you're my prisoner, now you do whatever I say. And it's not like that. It actually says it is for freedom and liberty that Christ set us free in Galatians 5.1. The Lord has set us free so that we're in liberty with him. We have his freedom. Let me explain what that means. The prison master of sin is the devil. The prison master, I won't use the word prison, the, the captive master of, of sin is the devil, which means what's in his heart is going to come on your life. What's in his heart is going to be your outcome if sin is your, your way. But the, the master of the captivity of, of light is Jesus, which means what's in his life is going to come to you. What's in his heart is going to come to you. He's not like, you're going to stay at home. This is my Christian prison. It's religious. Be there on Sunday. It's not like that. He's saying, you have the fullness of my freedom. And I t I've taken you as a captive, not as a captive, as a prison guard, but a, a lover. I've rescued my lost one, my lost love. He's taking you captive. It'd be like this. It'd be like a, a husband going, he's going, I got you, babe. You know, I got you, babe. You know, that's, it's like that. It's more like that. I've taken you captive, you know. And we sing that to God. You know, you've captured my heart with one glance of your eyes. We sing to God that. It's the truth. You didn't just get forgiven. You got given a new nature that causes your nature to receive everything Jesus has, because he's inside you. You're now captive. If someone says to you, How, are you free in life? Just say, oh, I'm a prisoner of love. I'm a prisoner of Jesus. I'm a prisoner to just do the right thing. I'm a prisoner to just have peace, hope, joy, and love. I'm a prisoner to have a whole bunch of, uh, you know, in my heart, I just have a whole bunch of hope for my life, because I'm a prisoner to Jesus. <laughs> and they're like, what? what are you talking about? Say, well, he took my prison. He crushed it. He took it, my sins, my prison, my deserving judgment on his body and he crushed it and he gave me his freedom. So we're captive now to another kingdom. Exactly. We're captivated. <laughs> I thought to myself last night, I was like, why would we ever want to live a minute without Jesus? Why would we want to live a minute without God? Why would we not want a God who says that I'll go to hell for your sake? Why would we not want a God that says, even though you deserve punishment, I'll take the nails in my hands for you? What is greater than that love? What can the earth offer us that is greater than that? I remember the torment in my head. I couldn't get to sleep for years and it was torment. I remember it. After meeting Jesus, I'm in bed. God loves me. I told a friend yesterday that they said, what was it like? You know, we we're talking about like my early days and, and how I was before the Lord and how they were before the Lord. And I said, a guy threatened to kill me after I first got saved because I told him I was in a world where there was some bad people. I remember I told him, I said, Jesus loves you, Craig. And he said a few choice words to me. I said, Jesus loves you, bro. I said, he saved me. I said, all this stuff we were doing and we did a crime together before I was saved. I said, all the stuff we were doing, it was all garbage. 
but he was still in it. And I said, remember when I took the rap for you? Because I did. I went to court and I didn't dob him in. I covered him. I covered his sin in a way. (laughs) And mine. And he said to me, he goes, don't ever bring that up. Don't ever bring Jesus up. Don't ever bring the, the court case up. He goes, don't mention it. Don't mention it around people. I don't want anyone to hear about it. He was scared that people would know that he was actually a criminal behind closed doors because everyone thought he was a nice guy and he was wild. And so one day he, he texts me and he said, watch out. He goes, we're going to kill you. He goes, we're going to beat, beat your brains out or whatever, you know, and, and, and he, he was. He planned to come get me with a baseball bat. I remember the peace I had that night when I went to bed because I'd been made new. The peace I had. I remember the phenomenal peace. I wasn't looking out the window every 10 minutes. Just peace. Jesus is with me. I'm in another person's prison. I mean, I don't even like using that word. Sorry, Lord. I'm in another person's heart. I'm captivated and captive to another person. If anyone goes to me, they've got to get past Jesus. You know, I'm in another place now. And, uh, and, and the guy, he didn't, he didn't touch me at all. In fact, something happened to him, unfortunately. And I'm not saying that that was nothing to do with me, but... But God really protected me. And I went and visited that man in, prison, in a hospital, sorry. And uh, I told him, I said, Jesus loves you, Craig. I still told him, even though I knew he wanted to, to really hurt me. But I told him, I said, Jesus cares about you. And he couldn't believe that I came to hospital to visit him. Because my nature, I'd been taken out of the, the darkness that was inside me of revenge and hate and everything. And I'd been taken into peace. Well, some of you this morning here, you're actually kind of in the middle. You, you, you believe in God, but you may not have experienced the power of His captivity yet. You may not have experienced the power of Him actually transferring you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. And that's what Christmas is all about. Peace unto men. It's not about, oh, we get presents. The greatest present is that you can have peace through Christ Jesus our Lord. You can have peace in your heart. And if you're captive to sin this morning and you're a Christian or you believe in God, you know Jesus destroyed it. He destroyed its power. We're the ones who go back there because we, we painted the inside of our prison. We, we comforted ourselves there. We made this prison look nice and feel good for a while. And we put another girl in there or another guy in there or maybe we put gambling in there for occasional gambling and we put something in there that would help us and we put porn in there or we put inside there, uh, you, you know, uh, drugs occasionally. We put that in our little prison because it made us feel like we can escape for a moment. But we were still in prison. But Jesus came to set captives free. And this morning, the Lord's appropriated power through the cross and resurrection comes heading towards your life if you will receive it. And He'll take you, captivate you, and give you all that's in Him, which is perfect freedom. And us on the front row and all these other people in church, we can tell you we are testimonies of the grace of God that ascended into our, descended into our dark world and ascended out of there with us free. So I want you to close your eyes on this Christmas uh, Sunday service. There's another service though coming, I believe, on Christmas Eve. But this service, I want to make an invitation to you that if you don't know Jesus. Thanks for listening to another message from Fire Church Ministries. For more messages like this and other resources and information, go to our website, firechurch.com.au.